Hey everybody, welcome to the Engage and Equip podcast. This is a resource designed to help form substantive disciples for the local church. This summer, we're going to be going on a little bit of a break here in Engage and Equip. So for the month of July, there's not going to be any new content coming out on the Engage and Equip podcast. We'll be starting up again in August. But in the meantime, a podcast that is coming out of High Point Church that we think would be worth your time is the Living Room podcast. You can find the Living Room podcast either by searching the Living Room in your favorite podcast platform or by going to highpointchurch.org slash the living room. Additionally, if you visit that website, you'll find that there's also a newsletter associated with The Living Room, and there are also live sessions that are starting up on July 11th. This season of The Living Room is focused on the topic of race and justice, and we're orienting our discussion around a series of essays that our lead pastor, Nick Gibson, wrote. So every week in the newsletter, one of those essays is released. And then every week on The Living Room podcast, a story is released that has to do with the topic of race and justice. So that could be how race and justice relates to a particular story about a family, or a particular story about politics, or a particular story about the church. So we think that these essays and this podcast are going to be worth your time. So you can find out everything that there is to know about The Living Room at highpointchurch.org slash The Living Room. But for now, what we're going to do is we're going to put in this Engage and Equip podcast the first episode of The Living Room Season 3 that released uh, just a couple days ago. So we hope you enjoy listening to it. everyone. Welcome to The Living Room, a podcast from High Point Church. My name is Nicole Kyle, and I'm one of the hosts of the podcast. In The Living Room, church is family, and it's where we share our lives with each other. This podcast is a place for people in our church family to share their stories so that we grow to really know and love each other and to create a space to welcome others in the family. This season is called Race and Justice. In this episode, you'll get to hear from Patrick and Allison Lathane. And we're talking about food and race and marriage and hospitality and how all of these things, all of this interacts with and is formed by our Christian faith. As a reminder, the goal of the Living Room Podcast is not that we would agree with everything by the end of each episode. There is no family that is really like that, right? And that is not our goal either. And so I'm sure that there will be things that you'll hear that you don't agree with, and that's fine. We just want to encourage you to keep listening and really to truly get to know these people who are in your church family. Whether you agree or not, we hope that you will still find ways that you are encouraged in your own relationships and, most importantly, in your relationship with God. So thank you for listening, and also thank you, Patrick and Allison, for sharing. All right, let's get to it. Patrick and Allison, thank you so much for being here with me. Um, so to start, I would love to help our listeners to get to know you guys a little bit better. So um, especially if they don't know you already. So could you start by introducing yourselves and sharing how long you've known each other and how long you've been married? Sure. Thanks for having us, Nicole. Uh, I'm Patrick Lathane, and this is my wife, Allison. Uh, we've known each other since she was... 15 years old, and I was 16. 
we both went to the same high school, um, and we were high school sweethearts. Uh, we started dating when Allison turned 16, which was the rule in her household. Oh, funny. Okay. Yes, and that was the rule in my house as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> same month I turned 16, I called him. Nice. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we've been together ever since. And that was 30 years ago. Okay. Wow. So you've been together yeah. for 30 years. Yeah. And married for how many of them? 25. That's awesome. Okay, great. So um, then moving a little bit closer, how long ago did you guys start coming to High Point? And is it, am I remembering this correctly? Are you guys from Michigan? Yes. Okay. Michigan, yes. Because I, I have this memory of you wearing Michigan State yes. colors. Yeah? That's right. Okay. All right. You got the right school. Did you move to Madison for Epic? Yes. Okay. So then how long have you been attending High Point? So... Twenty-four years ago, out of college, we got um, recruited to Epic. Um, so we've gone to several different churches in the area over the years. And six years ago um, is when we found High Point. Our hearts were really towards like kingdom work and mm-hmm. like king- kingdom impact and missions. And I brought my daughter Ruby to VBS and saw the missions wall, and I was like, "This is what what we're looking for." We yeah. wanted to get more involved in missions, so that's how we found High Point. That's great. And um, so you have been involved in our global missions team. What are some of the other things that you've been a part of while you've been here? Um, I'm on, I serve on the uh, tech ministry Sunday mm-hmm. mornings um, in the media booth. Uh, we've been small group leaders um, and um, we both serve on the global missions team. Um, I recently started mentoring as well. Oh, so I led a mission trip to Spain. Uh, which was really stretching and cool. Um, And then I've also worked with refugees, um, although that slowed down over the past 15 months. Refugees are now starting to come back to America. Praise the Lord. So hopefully we'll be able to do more things in the future with refugees. That's great. Um, Could you share a little bit about your cultural and ethnic backgrounds? Sure. Uh, My parents are uh, from Burma which is a Southeast Asian country. Um, It's um, pretty close to um, India, and it borders Thailand. Uh, My dad is pure Burmese, and my mother is half Indian. Um, And the other half, um, she's got a lot of uh, European um, in her as well. And um, as a result, she she has fairer skin, um, than, you know, most of the, the okay. Burmese. So, um, she's considered Anglo, uh, to, oh, really? to the Burmese okay. uh, mm-hmm. people. Um, and so, uh, that was actually a, a source of tension, um, on my father's parents' side, uh, because he's pure Burmese. Um, you know, they, they really expected him to, um, have a wife who was pure Burmese as well. So yeah. they practically whole, yeah. disowned him for marrying yeah. her actually. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. And then how about you, Allison? I am the typical American who does not know much about my ancestry, but would love to do like the ancestry.com. Definitely British, um, Polish, German, uh, Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just uh-huh. like a mix. So yep. just of Northern European. Right. Yep. So, so for the, con- for anybody who saw this, your family did announcements 
maybe about a month or so ago for our video announcements at church. And you had the little interjection about Lethane and how it broke all the spelling rules. And you're like, because it's not American. And I thought that was so funny. But if anyone remembers that video, that's Patrick and Allison. Last question before we jump in more specifically. This can be funny, fun, serious, however you want to answer this question. What is one thing that you think everyone listening should know about the other person? Okay, I'm going to start because um, Patrick is a huge Pink Floyd fan. Um, And so he actually did the craziest, in my mind, the craziest thing. He went to Pompeii, Italy to see them in concert. He spent 36 hours in Italy to see Pink Floyd in the Pompeii Amphitheater. And then came home. <laughs> what? Twice. <laughs> there, there, there were, yeah, he saw him two, two nights shows. in a row and then got back. Oh, and my goodness. There's some background to that. It, it wasn't just, you know, a couple of concerts. These were the first two public events in this ancient Roman amphitheater. That's that's the oldest preserved uh, Roman amphitheater of its size um, in the world. And this was the first public event since it was buried in the by the volcano of Vesuvius in 79 AD. So this was truly a historic event. And, and it was his 40th and birthday. My biggest, my biggest band. Oh so my goodness. You can't tell because this is, there's no video. My mouth has just been gaping open this whole time. So you flew there. Yeah. You saw them do two shows two and then shows. you flew back. Yeah. Oh yeah. my goodness. And, and got to hike to the top of uh, Mount Vesuvius in between too, so. Wow, this that is really incredible. Okay, so Patrick, how would you answer that question about Allison? Yeah, um, she's become an incredible artisan, um, like just in so Ooh. many ways. Um, she um, was big into sewing when our, our kids were little, um, and she had her own business. Um, really? And she, yeah, she made a lot of children's clothes. Um, she made a ton of clothes for our kids, and... Um, you know, and, and she was also homeschooling at the time. And so, uh, it was actually fashionable. The kids loved having their own clothes made by their mom. Um, so, um, that was really cool to see. And then over time she, um, transitioned into, um, um, knitting, um, and made a lot of sweaters, um, and hats and scarves. Um, and then, uh, she got into, um, spinning the wool, um, to, to, to oh knit, yeah, and, uh, and now I'm into sheep's fleeces, like straight off the sheep. Oh it smells goodness. like a barn in the house when I get it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. That artisan is a very good word for that. All right. So you mentioned this before. The two of you knew each other in high school. High school sweethearts. Um, Patrick, I am curious. So you grew up in Michigan, in the town where the two of you are from. Were there many other non-white families there, um, or was it mostly just your family? Um, not not many um, non-white families. Um, the um, so it was a small town of probably between five thousand and ten thousand when when we were in high school. Um, so uh, pretty small town and uh, not not diverse at all um the the ethnic minorities in terms of my classmates were um other asians Mm -hmm. um, for the most part there were um a a few indians um several filipinos 
um, and some people from Korea. Mm -hmm. um, and um, many of them, many of their parents were doctors. And so okay. a lot of the Asians in the town, you know, had a, had a high social status and sure. you know, were well revered um, in the community. Um, and so we were kind of known like the, the group of Asians in town were kind of the, the overachievers, yeah. you know, they were, they were the smart ones. They were going to go somewhere. Um, so I certainly grew up at, w with a very privileged perspective. Yeah. Um, even though we were ethnic minorities, um, I didn't, um, have a lot, feel a lot of, um, you know, persecution or, you know, sure. feel a lot of racial tensions, mm -hmm. um, just because of um, that dynamic. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. And then Allison, for you, for your perspective, being from the majority culture in that setting, was race something that you thought of? I mean, I'm sure that you knew Patrick wasn't white, but was it something that was like a present thought or was it just kind of like, yeah, and the sky is blue and the leaves on the trees are green or, or was it something no, you thought I, about? I did think about it because I had Asian friends. My one friend um, was Korean mm -hmm. and I loved like just going to her house and experiencing this different culture when I went there, you know, yeah. like her mom would make homemade egg rolls. And so, um, and not only that, but like, um, just like my Asian friends, their personalities were actually more similar to mine. Like mm -hmm. I tend to be more serious and reserved, I guess. Um, and so were my Asian friends. So I, I definitely, when I first saw him, I knew he he was, you know, he was actually quite dark skinned because he played tennis all the time. Mm. Um, so he would get really dark in the summer. And um, I just thought he looked really cute yeah. <laughs> walking in the halls. <laughs> okay. So yeah, I was definitely attracted to him. Um, not just because of like how he looked and that it was different. That didn't really matter to me. But I did think he was cute and he seemed nice and smart. So yeah. And so on your 16th birthday, you called him up. Right. Yeah. So um, my mom said I could date at 16. And that same month I turned 16, I called his house and his father answered the phone. I've never called a boy. I've never really yeah. even talked to a boy <laughs> um, unless I had to at school. Uh -huh. <laughs> and his dad answered and he he had an ex and I couldn't really understand. Um, um, he's kind of like a strong Burmese um sound to his um his talking and so I did not understand what he said but I did and also I have hearing loss I did know that he was teasing me and Patrick <laughs> like oh my son's getting a call from a girl and it was kind of oh, horrifying like mortifying oh my goodness <laughs> yeah because I'd never called anyone but so yeah so I called him I was just like yeah do you want to go to the movies and he was like okay and I was like oh that was easy but wow. it wasn't it was kind of hard yeah. so yeah we, we laugh at that now but but his mother um, came from the Anglo Burmese and so right. she actually had a British accent oh, um, sure. and I'll just say I have a very strong Wisconsin accent so I'm just gonna throw that out there but yeah. anyways yeah yes. she had a British accent accent so it was kind of puzzling because, you know, they both, her, both his parents came from the same place, but they right. sound differently. Yeah, that is really interesting. So, okay, so you started dating in high school. You're 16. You knew each other. were from different cultures. Allison, it's really cool to hear. It just seems like already in your life, like God had put this little imprint in your heart of valuing cultures and wanting to learn about those things. So what were some of the things that you remember about each other 
early in your dating years. So Allison, I'll start with you. What are some of the things you remember about Patrick just from early on? Yeah, um, well, he was really serious. Um, he was hardworking. He was very dedicated, like, to his family. Um, and and I was just really attracted to that because my friends were kind of goofy. <laughs> and he was just so serious. And I'm kind of, like, a serious person. Like, like I don't believe in old souls. But I just, mm-hmm. I'm just, like, think older than I am like we joke that I'm a little old lady (laughs) when I was in my 30s now I'm getting to be a little old lady but yeah yeah. so I just was really attracted to his his um like work ethics and his dedication his loyalty he just yeah yeah, he was just like always sweet and kind so Mm -hmm. What, what about you Patrick I actually got to know her dad um, first um, because I was a big tennis player. And so I was at the courts every weekday evening and then a lot on the weekends. And I played tennis many times with him before I got to know Allison. Um, and so um, that was an interesting um, dynamic is that, you know, I knew yeah. I knew her dad first. Um, and then, yeah, just as I got to know her, you know, she was she was you know, very pale. She was <laughs> as white as they come. And she had strawberry blonde hair and freckles. And like, I just, I was attracted to that. She was very cute. Um, but also, you know, she was very kind um, as just as I got to know her. Um, yeah, just the love, like exactly what you described. Um, there was just love and kindness about her that I, I couldn't describe. Um, but I would come to understand later that it was it came from her faith. And I think one of the really remarkable things in in our situation is that um, her parents really didn't have friends from other other cultures. Um, and, you know, a big part of that was just that the town wasn't mm-hmm. diverse at all. Right. Um, and, um, and and we're talking like even food like food options like they they ate oh like, yeah um, the <laughs> most the most ethnic thing that we would eat was spaghetti oh <laughs> uh-huh. so it, it just kind of as i um look back and and process you know our how our relationship evolved it's pretty amazing that you know she had this interest in right. in someone from a completely different culture um, it wasn't part of her upbringing um, because she didn't see that modeled by her parents. But at the same time, I see where that came from. And, you know, and I, I felt very welcomed into her family um, as well um, from the very beginning. And um, like at that, I didn't really think about it at the time. But, you know, again, processing it, you know, there's this very dark-skinned individual that's from a culture that, you know, is completely foreign to them. And yet they were very extremely welcoming to me. And I didn't, I I noticed it, but I didn't really appreciate it at the time. Um, And looking back on it, I think that it's, it's a strong testimony to their faith. They were strong Christians. Mm -hmm. That was very evident. And, you know, their love for people um, just really came through. And I do think actually probably we weren't the one issue I had with him thinking like if I were to marry him one day was that he was Catholic 
Mm-hmm. And I and not and I just like I had a preconceived idea of Catholicism based on like my girlfriend and we'd kind of banter back and forth about yeah. what Catholics believe versus my non-denominational faith. And so some of the like clashes we had in the early dating years were really me trying to figure out what he believed yeah. to see if that would be compatible compatible for marriage someday right. and that was the big concern because I always thought I would I always thought I'd marry a Ch- church of Christ Christian <laughs> when I was a kid so and thank God like he brought us to a, a faith together as we grew up together right. that you know kind of broke the boundaries of what we thought when we were younger. Yeah. Because, you know, we came to true, saving, loving faith and understanding who God is better as we grew up together. We grew up together, so. Right. So one of the easiest entryways into another culture is often through food. And everyone loves food. And so um, I know that food, that has played a big part in how the two of you learned about each other's culture and uh, got to know each other's families. And so I, I would just love to spend some time talking about that and hearing about that. So Allison, would you start? Yeah, I mean, um, so like when you would like... If I got close to Patrick, I could smell curry on him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or if I went to his house, you smell curry immediately. Because his mother was always like cooking onions and laborious dishes that yeah. um, had all these different herbs and spices. And, and um, so there was just like this interesting smell even that was right. curious to me. And so I'd go to her house and she'd be cooking because it was, you know, it's like hours to make a curry dish. Um, You're chopping onions and she would chop onions into teeny tiny little itty bitty pieces and then the garlic and all the, you know, Mm -hmm. all the vegetables and then cut up all the meat by hand and then she'd mix it all up and make this curry. And I just watched her and while she was cooking, she would tell me these stories about Burma and she's like an amazing storyteller. So, So and she can just like transport herself into Burma and you know you're standing at a street vendor like buying these amazing food crisps that you take back to eat with your dinner and so she just had all these amazing stories so I loved just going to his house and he'd be gone playing tennis and I just go to her house and sit at the big counter and watch her cook and yeah so as um, Patrick and I so we dated like five years um, high school into college and we got married while we were in college and as we got more serious and like I knew that we'd be spending the rest of our lives together I was like I have to learn how to cook this stuff you know like I loved how it tasted from the beginning which is surprising because I did not have right you had um, spaghetti yeah spaghetti (laughs) (laughs) even pizza was too spicy when I was a little kid so um but anyways his mom's food is just like she's an amazing cook amazing cook and so I wanted to learn how to make those things so um she did over time teach me but she didn't work from a recipe at all yeah it's all in her head Uh and you don't buy curry powder no 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 Uh, you buy cumin you buy coriander you you buy turmeric you buy all the different spices Mm -hmm. and and then she would just like in her mind see how much meat she had and be able to figure out how many onions how many tablespoons of this and that and it just came together yeah and so it was really hard I tried writing down my own 
formulated, I was an, I ended up as an engineer, I formulated recipes and I'd be like trying to force her into like, yeah. okay, let's measure how many teaspoons was this? And then I'd try to recreate the dishes. Um, and it took about five years of me cooking curry before it tasted good. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, now I, I can cook um, curries that are almost as good as his yeah. mom's. Wow. Okay. So, I mean, I'm, I'm just trying to imagine like Patrick did, was it meaningful to you that Allison was spending all this time with your mom? Was it, and like learning this food and wanting to cook it? Yeah. T- tell me how that felt. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, just kind of looking back initially, um, you know, when she would come over, uh, she was just willing to try, you know, these, like completely different ethnic dishes that she had no exposure to before. And so she pretty quickly just embraced it, you know, and, um, I think it's cause he was cute. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, from the very beginning, um, like, you know, I guess understand that, you know, like she said, it was, it was years before she started trying to, to make them herself. But, Yes, just this interest of, you know, coming over and, uh, you know, most of the time my dad was still at work. So it was just the three of us like sitting around in the kitchen. My mom was cooking or doing all the prep work. And, you know, we were just talking to her, you know, hearing about these amazing stories that she would tell. And I actually didn't appreciate them as much at the time because I knew a lot of the stories before. And so, um, you know, I, I was certainly, you know, attentive. I, I was impressed that Allison was so interested, um, in them. And, um, but like, certainly as, as as I grew up, I gained a greater appreciation for, um, yeah, just how uh, rich these stories are about our family and our heritage. And, and so, um, my uncle um, has—he's in England. He's taken on this kind of um, pet project for several years now of of trying to um, build out our family tree. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've kind of taken on the task in the the last few years of trying to record um, some of these stories mm-hmm. that uh, my parents, um, you know, have have shared with us. Um, and then my my plan is I really want to write them down um, and preserve them for our kids um, because they they are some amazing stories like just to just to give you an idea um, my my parents were uh, running in a Burmese jungle to get away from the Japanese who were attacking um, all uh, through many parts of Burma but in particular the the city in which they were in um they were bombing they had soldiers on the ground and so they were running literally through the jungle to escape and my mom ended up having a miscarriage in in the process of doing that and like they had um they had to get her to a hospital but like my dad had to make the decision of what in the world do I do here? Because it's super risky for me to get her to a hospital and where she could die just getting on, you know, to the hospital. But if we hide out in the jungle where it's safe, then she's not going to get the medical help that she needs. And so like just mind blowing stories that you can't even fathom. Right. Um, Yeah. And Burma has a lot of, um, Burma is now known as Myanmar. 
okay, Myanmar just had that military coup. Right. There's the they were already under a military um, dictatorship before the military coup. That so like they even like escaped Burma. Yeah, you know, and like just those stories of how they got out of the country and everything is just amazing. I think it's so interesting because when you were sharing, when you had shared this previously, even before we recorded, I was thinking of my own family because I have had this experience as well where, you know, my husband and my dad and I will all be driving. I think it's usually like to the airport or something, <laughs> but he'll, my husband will ask my dad a question. And I'll hear things that I had never heard before. Like, I didn't know this. And I, to, to, let, to hear it through the eyes of someone who, it's not their family, it's not their culture, but they want to know mm-hmm. and they want to learn is, like it's a gift. And they hadn't heard the story at a young age where they might take, take it for granted. Yeah. It's, it's a gift in so many ways to, yeah. for me to be able to hear those stories. Like Patrick, for you to hear them freshly, to see that your spouse or maybe at the time just your girlfriend but was, was interested and wanted mm-hmm. to know about you, about your parents, about your culture, even as different as it was, she wanted to know. That's that curiosity. I think you've said that word a couple times, Allison, that curiosity. And instead of thinking it was... Instead of thinking, oh, that's too different. I don't want to know. It was, oh, I'm so curious to know more. Uh, even the, like, is Burmese food similar to Indian food? Yes. Okay. So similar. I was terrified of Indian food for the longest time. And then I tried it and I was like, this is delicious. It's so good. But I just, I can even remember someone asking my husband and me over for fi- for dinner and they said do you have any like dietary restrictions or anything we're like oh no anything anything except for indian food like i said that phrase because i was too afraid to try it it wasn't the spiciness though right some of it was the spiciness for me i'm a wimp for sure because his mother didn't put like cayenne much cayenne pepper in Mm -hmm. it so a lot of indian dishes will be really spicy but they don't have to be yeah and i i just I, i i didn't know and instead of having a curiosity for it i just was like i'm too scared but the like that, that doesn't have to be our response. Instead, we could have a curiosity about what's different. And I just love hearing you talk about that, Allison, and hearing how that was a part of your relationship that you, instead of being afraid of it or anything like that, you were just, you were curious. And it, it, it went beyond Allison as well, because their family, their, Allison's parents, you know, as as our relationship grew, we had her parents over many times, you know, for meals. And, you know, they had this, a similar curiosity, yeah. right? And They had and even more questions hear, than yeah, I did. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it was, we really shared a lot of incredible family time um, with the two of us and both of our parents yeah. together um, in, really in really meaningful ways. Patrick, you had talked about how getting when you and Allison started dating, there were a couple things that you shared. One was that um, there were things that you learned about American culture, like American traditions that you didn't know about mm-hmm. before. Could you share a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, w- w- one of the ones that stands out, but is also a, a sore topic with me oh, no. is uh, <laughs> is Thanksgiving. So, um, growing up, you know, we would. They celebrated, you know, the American holidays, uh-huh. but they didn't really kind of 
understand the background of a lot of yeah. them, right? So, um, so our traditional Thanksgiving meal was, you know, my mom would would cook something special, and like a lot of times it was a crab curry or a shrimp curry, you know, something that we don't normally have, right? Yeah. And and but she'll go out of the way; she'll spend a little bit more um, on the, on that meal. Well, uh, one day. Um, or one year, we decided to to get a traditional Thanksgiving dinner, and and she didn't know. My mom didn't know how to how to cook that, so um, we ended up um, getting buying a uh, you know pre packaged um, Kroger cooked a Thanksgiving meal. Yeah, right? so yeah, okay. turkey stuffing, gravy, right? And um, so we brought that home, and and we ate that, and that night. I got really sick and threw up multiple times. And from then on, like, and your family got all got sick, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, actually, yeah, everyone else did too. Um, and so that was, from that moment on, uh, as a family, we went back to okay, we tried that. That's Done. We're, yeah, we're, back we're, to the we checked that off the list, yes. but we don't like that. So, <laughs> um, so then you know, as we got older and and we started having Thanksgiving together, especially with her family they didn't understand at all why I didn't like yeah. uh, the traditional He still turkey, hates turkey. turkey he still hates cornbread. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But, you know, it's beautiful now. Um, fast forward 15 years, and our Thanksgiving is at my sister's, and his parents are invited, and my parents are invited, and her husband's cousin is invited. Every year, it's the same group of people uh-huh. who aren't really related to each other. Yeah, but um, And his parents can tolerate, like, one meal of well-cooked turkey that's not going to make you sick yes. and and they've come to enjoy the food I think and it was it's really cool to have this mishmash of people mm-hmm. and it's all just because of who who married you know right so yeah I, I think one thing from the Americans culture side of eating um, that that just came up in conversations as we were you know prepping for this was that um, I hadn't really thought about the fact that our meals, weren't shared around a dinner table. They were shared in the living room. And mm, a lot of times, the TV. <laughs> yeah, a lot of times we wouldn't necessarily eat all together either. Um, you know, whenever my mom would cook like early afternoon and then, you know, just whatever people were ready, like, cause I would typically be, you know, off at the tennis courts. My dad would get home, you know, at a different time. And so, we would just eat whenever we were around and, and yeah. we were hungry. And and so going over to Allison's house and like sharing a meal around the dinner table, uh-huh. like that was a different experience for me. Yeah. Um, and but, I, you know, I liked it. That was an interesting dynamic. And, you know, well, oh, my yeah, dad got home from work at five. So we, dinner's on the table at 530. And right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. OK, so you this getting into that sort of a cultural difference between like how you're eating meals you had also mentioned Patrick that there were things in getting to know Allison that as you understood more about um even just traditional American culture and the way she was formed it helped you understand more of her do you have any examples of what that was like yeah let me explain a um um, a book that has just been transformational um, in yeah. my understanding of cultures. Um, it's it was it's a small book. It's more of like a pamphlet, um, um, but it's called um, uh, Foreign to Familiar, hmm. um, and it's written by Sarah Lanier. And it was recommended to me before I went on my first missions trip to the Dominican Republic, with the understanding that um, 
you're going to see things there. You're going to experience things there that are from a different culture. And it's helpful to have, you know, an understanding of what's different in these other cultures, especially in, you know, third world um, societies, as opposed to what we experience in America and splits the world into what she calls hot climate cultures and cold climate cultures. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's just eerily spot on. So like hot climate cultures are like um, South America, Africa, Southeast Asia. Um, The cold climate cultures are, you know, Northern Europe, um, America for the most part. Um, and, and the distinctions that are drawn between them. So for example, in the hot climate cultures, uh, people get together, um, you know, more frequently, they, they invite people into their homes, you know, at the spur of the moment, Mm -hmm. they will strike up a conversation on the street with somebody that they've just met and then invite them over to their house. Um, they, are just very warm, you know, and, and approachable. Um, and you know, it's just, it's, it's very different if you haven't, um, experienced that as opposed to the cold climate cultures where, uh, you know, they enjoy their privacy, you know, they, they schedule appointments on time and go to the appointments on time. (laughs) They're very, they're very, uh, (laughs) planning ahead. They plan ahead. (laughs) Uh Um, and, uh, yeah, they're they're less spontaneous, and so just having understood and read that, um, that suddenly just kind of made a lot of things make sense to me. You know, looking back um, on my life, and I, and I think that that certainly was true in um, kind of how we dealt with um, you know working through those challenges because. Uh, I, so I grew up in more of that warm climate culture. You know, Allison was coming from the opposite, and especially from the planning perspective. Their yeah. their family are big planners, <laughs> um, and so that was a, just a big adjustment uh, for both of us. Is and your family loved like surprising. Surprises, yeah. <laughs> so like you know, like someone came comes to your door from a different country, and surprise, oh, yeah. we're here. Uh-huh. <laughs> Most of my extended family on on my mother's side is over in England now um and um so when they come to visit you know they come to visit for a month you know right and and so when they're when they came to visit us as kind of young adults you know in the Madison area you know they would want to come for you know a couple weeks you know and 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 stay with meanwhile my family would visit like our extended family maybe for a weekend or half a weekend. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that that definitely was a culture shock for both of us. Yeah. So I guess as we kind of dealt with those um family dynamic um challenges, I I had just attributed those more to um like personality traits. Yeah. Um I didn't understand at all that there was a strong cultural component to a Mm -hmm. lot of that yeah we Mm -hmm. looked at culture more on the surface level when Mm -hmm. we were younger you know the clear things that are obvious Mm -hmm. not how culture like shapes what you see and how you feel and like how you love somebody right yeah from from our experience with you know quite a few international travels um you know, we have found that wherever we go in the world outside of the U.S., you know, whether it's a 
a hot climate culture or not, that when we do try to strike up a conversation with the locals that they're typically very open and, yeah. you know, want, want to engage in conversation. But, you know, for the most part, you know, we, you know, we've been intentional with trying to, um, you know, understand the local cultures that we're visiting and, and have conversations with locals. But, um, you know, so very similar um, situation where that's not, that's not, natural to us at least not to me it's 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 more natural. i'm the one that yeah, talks to the lady at the grocery like, store and yeah. we're best friends yeah. <laughs> um but we do you know it's intentional we go out of our way to try to yeah. understand you know what what culture is something that we typically don't think about mm-hmm. um and and culture is in an ingrained part of who we are and part of how you understand a culture is to talk with people and understand their experiences and yeah. understand what they do and how they do things and and how they live and 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 those are things that as we've gotten older and more mature um, we've certainly appreciated trying to understand culture through people yeah obviously every marriage is going to have challenges because every marriage is the joining of two cultures but some of those cultural differences are more pronounced in some marriages than they are in others so you've started to touch on these already a little bit that there were some culture shocks or some some tensions but would you be willing to share what some of those were that you faced as you got married yeah i i i think like i celebrated what I thought of as culture, you know, food and hearing the stories about different countries, but I didn't understand. I feel like um, a lot of our struggles in arguments um, probably had culture um, at the core and we didn't even realize it. Mm. Um, And so like we were talking about when his family would visit, um, you know, his parents would come and he's 10 years younger than his other brother. Okay. So he's the baby of the family, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, we got married. We got started dating at 16. We were like little kids. We got married at 21, still in college. So, you know, his family would come and they'd stay for a long time. And his mom, um, it kind of, I just, I didn't handle things very well. So we're mm. married and she'd like bring her own bedding and her own cooking utensils mm-hmm. and her own spices. And it was like they moved in when yeah. they came. Yeah. And, you know, we were this autonomous couple 95% of the time. Yeah. And then mom and dad would come and it just threw off my equilibrium. And yeah. I really like got stressed out about it and like looking back on it, I didn't handle things well. I also have like a history of some depression and anxiety. And so like, it would just kind of bubble up and get really stressful, I think, when his family would come. So there was there was struggles like that. And, you know, they were just being them. Right. But, you know, like, I just, I just was pretty rigid. And I couldn't handle the big culture change that would happen when they would visit. And I didn't even really realize it was a big culture change, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So so I think we struggled quite a bit, um, like just like being adults um, with his parents yeah. in the beginning. And I think that was one thing that I didn't handle well. And then later we traveled to England to visit his family. And the first visit we visited them um, – I had never done a transatlantic flight, and I get 
like nauseous. Mm. And I was like, almost going to lose my cookies in the cab ride in London. And you know, when you do transatlantic and you're heading um, east, you lose several hours and you lose the night of sleep that you would have had. And I had a little kid on my hip and didn't Mm. sleep that whole night. And his family's so excited that we're finally there with Brian and Ruby. And so they're waiting in the hotel for us <laughs> that that yeah. morning. Like all of them. They, they borrowed a van. Yeah. <laughs> oh, right. They borrowed a, fan's, a, a friend's van and, like, got to our hotel. And so their expectation was, okay, we're together now. We're going to do these things. And yeah. I didn't realize that my needs were I needed to de- decompress in a hotel room by myself. Mm-hmm. And so instead we went to Chinatown, we went out to eat and then we drove another hour out to the uncles and visit him. And then we had dinner and like we right. did all these things. And I, I like reached a breaking point when we were there because we were just at the whim of what his family wanted. They were so excited to have us there, yeah. but they didn't realize. And I didn't realize I had certain boundaries and needs that needed to get met. And I didn't have a voice to use it so like I definitely see like I struggled on that trip and so I remember saying promise me we'll never go back and he's like we're never coming back here and then we did go on another sabbatical we went there several years later and at that point I had matured enough to understand okay and he knew like he needed to like like set bound we needed to set boundaries of what what would work for me (laughs) in my personality and what I needed on these big trips in order to make it go better. And the second trip was so much better. And we even took his cousin around Scotland with us and mm-hmm. it was really fun. So, yeah. And I, you know, from my perspective, I, d- I didn't recognize, you know, her need to have like just downtime, like, cause, cause my family was fine with me just, you know, spending time with them and, and letting her rest back at the, you know, at the hotel. Um, but, it it wasn't something that I like I, I knew that they just wanted to see us and you know they just wanted to be you know hospitable and that this was their way of showing it but um but she needed you know some I really needed to not own. be in motion <laughs> yeah, motion yeah. Like this. <laughs> um and yeah so so that was uh um you know a failing on my part for not realizing and this because like this wasn't the first time that we had had, you know, similar challenges with family right. being over, right? Um, but yeah, so it was, that was definitely a, a big learning lesson for both of us. How did you find perseverance or even motivation when you experienced some of these culture clashes? I I would say like, um, we're both super committed people, like dependable people. Yeah. So like, you know, like divorce was never an option. <laughs> not that like, I mean, not that we're going down that road or anything, but I just mean like, you have to work through it and get to the other side. You just find a way to do it. I wanted to like get through a conflict and then get to the other side of the conflict. Mm-hmm. Um, I tended to like even initiate conflicts um, because that was how I could work to and get to a solution sure (laughs) um so I feel like that was um and sometimes I didn't do it in the right way obviously um like thinking of our early marriage and stuff but yeah I feel like just like not having the choice of an out Mm -hmm. 
it's something probably a lot of Christians can relate to. Right, that you just knew this is this is our marriage. These are our families. These are the two cultures that are coming together. We have to find a way to make this work. You know, and I was, you know, traditionally a a peacekeeper, not a peacemaker, and mm. I avoided conflict. Um, and so that was another kind of source and conflict, you know, yeah. in itself was, um, you know, especially in, in relation to, you know, our families when, when they were over spending time uh, with us. And so I think just as I've grown and matured, you know, I've gained a better appreciation of, um, you know, sometimes we need to have that conflict. We need to have those tough conversations to make progress. Um, and, and that was something that, that I avoided at all costs for, for a long time. What I love about this conversation is how much this has been about, not just the two of you as individuals, but how much it's been about your families and your families coming together or you learning about each other's families. With the church, we are the family of God. We are called brothers and sisters, that we are, that God is our father, that we are his children. And so this family dynamic is very much a part of what it means to be a Christian. What do you think are some of the things that you have learned from your marriage, um, not just about what the church is meant to look like when it comes to different cultures and ethnicities, but even how we're to go about achieving that. Does that make sense? I feel like for me, I'll start. Um, I feel like um, I learned that you can like go out of your way to introduce yourself to somebody who looks like they might be from a different culture. And so I have found that I do that here and um, and they're not offended by it. I think a lot of people are afraid that someone's going to be offended by that. And my experience has been the opposite. They love like just like being acknowledged and like like I have been so blessed by learning about cultures I never knew through, um, you know, befriending people from different countries here. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just like, it's just been so enriching to be able to do that. Like um, in our past churches, I didn't do that. It's just since we came here and like the church before was so tiny, it was, and it was all white at our Mm -hmm. last church. Um, So like, just like the ability to meet people from different countries. I've met people from Zambia, uh, China, the Congo, you know, like just, and then it's so enriching. It's such a blessing. And then I also just find that, um, like the friends that I've made who I did that to, you know, I was just like, Hey, how are you? You know, and I talked to them eventually asked them where they're from. And, and then I find this amazing story about them. Um, and so I feel like that's, something that people might not feel comfortable doing and if you just kind of make yourself do it yeah you get better at it yeah Mm -hmm. yeah I I think one thing that was um just eye-opening for us was hearing how you know from an international student perspective um that many students coming many international students coming to Madison to study to UW Madison to study 
um, you know, the vast majority of them will never step into a, an American home. Right. Um, and yet, you know, the opposite is, you know, the case when American students go abroad, um, many times they're welcomed openly into, yeah. you know, homes of those um, you know, students from those countries. Um, and in that, then we also learned that just, you know, even at High Point, um, how we've gotten feedback that, you know, visitors, especially of different ethnicities, you know, felt like no one talked to them. And so, you know, they'd come to church, um, they'd maybe stand around in the lobby and no one would talk to them and then they'd leave. Um, and what an opportunity, you know, was missed because my guess is that a lot of times those people never came back. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what an opportunity it is and uh, for us to be ambassadors of Christ, right? And to demonstrate his love to people of, you know, all races, all ethnicities, they don't, they might not look like us, but that doesn't mean that they don't want to talk to us and and don't have, you know, incredible things for us to learn Mm -hmm. um, from them. Also, I think Americans forget that they have culture, (laughs) that Americans have culture. So I'm thinking about um, how we invited a bunch of um, Chinese scholars to our house for Thanksgiving. And we like read the uh, kids book about Thanksgiving and we, you know, made all the dishes and they were taking the pictures of all the food and, and like we could actually, you can share American culture and your own family's culture. Yeah. Um, so there's always uh, a back and forth. It doesn't need to be one way. Yeah, I think I'm. Th- I'm reminded of um, this is years ago, but we had a potluck here, maybe like four years ago or something, and we did a potluck that was bring a dish from your ethnic background and then we had people share stories about them and there were a lot of german things but there were stories about those german dishes right and Mm so i yeah i mean a fish doesn't know it's swimming in water we don't realize what our culture is and until we take some time to reflect on it for uh, particularly if you're part of the majority culture Mm -hmm. yeah and I, i think hearing you guys say it's not it's not a surprise to me that those are some of the things that you said and if you have more please share more but just that I I think one of the key things that I hear from the two of you is how much hospitality played a role in your cultures coming together. The, Mm -hmm. like how you said this, Patrick, at the very beginning, how welcomed you were by Allison and by her family into, into their home and family. Mm -hmm. And, and the converse was true as well. How welcomed Allison you were into his family mm-hmm. and how you just got to sit and watch his mom cook and watch her do what she does and hear the stories and the, um, the exchange of time together was part of how you understood one another more. And that, that is what I hear, at least in part reflected in what you say, that how what you've learned and how we can apply that in our, in the church. Yeah, I'm I'm glad you you mentioned that specifically cuz cuz I believe that hospitality is a gift. You know, it's something that I often don't think about, right? But um just, you know, as I've grown spiritually, I I understand how important that is. Um and it's something that, you know, I have to go out of my way, right, to engage in, yeah. but um, it, it truly is a gift and it, and it opens the door for conversations, for relationships to be built. 
and for the gospel to be shared um, as well. Um, yeah, I, I think of um, Acts um, 2, uh, verses 42 through um, 47, they devoted themselves, so this was the early church, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, and like it, it's just so easy for us to lose sight of that model and that template of how um, the early church was set up for us to, you know, break bread together, you know, eat yeah. together daily, right? And like, that's just such a foreign concept. Like, we're too busy for that. Yeah. But there is this richness of enjoying each other's company, building those relationships, understanding backgrounds, understanding stories, mm -hmm. understanding cultures. And that takes time. It takes time and energy. Um, it takes intentionality, but it's totally worth it. And mm -hmm. when we do that, we get this greater glimpse of the glory of God, the majesty of God, just how creative he is. Um, and and so we're missing out, really, when we don't, um, you know, truly engage at, at those levels with other people. And, and this, you know, goes beyond... This is a principle that, you know, is is to, um, you know, share your lives with other brothers and sisters. But, you know, the, the, the context of this conversation is, you know, it goes beyond that, right? Of your, your life is missing a richness when you don't experience another culture, other cultures and engage and understand them. Um, and share your culture with others. You, you, you're missing out on being a blessing to others as well. You said you, in one of the exchanges we had over email, you wrote this and I, I pulled it out and it, it's just an expansion on what you just said. But you said, um, when we look around at people from all over the world and we know that they were all created in God's image, we get a better understanding of God's amazing creativity and the diversity and beauty of the people that he has created. When we get to know those people, we have a richer appreciation for the fact that we are all truly brothers and sisters in Christ. When we experience love expressed towards us from peoples of different ethnicities and cultures, we get a deeper appreciation of how deep the Father's love is for each and every one of us. Yeah, there's a, there's a piece of his image that is reflected differently in these different cultures. And we get to know him better when we have the full breadth of that creativity expressed in his people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It, and it, it reminds me a lot of like just a lot of the gospel teachings, right. Are, um, their guidelines, their guidance, right. And for, for how to live a richer spiritual life, right. And how to be a blessing to others. And, um, the thing that, that kind of comes to my mind here is like, um, so if you were to take these guidelines, right, and, and just say, 
here's how you can experience a richer life, right? And by the way, I'm going to give you, um, you know, some money. I'm, I'm going to monitor you, right? And I'm going to know everything you do and everything that you say and how you interact with people, right? And you're going to get rewarded based on how, you know, well you follow these guidelines. You know, that would be like an incentive for us, right? Mm-hmm. To, to actually engage in these ways. But, but that's not the point here. The point here is that um, these guidelines are there so that we can better understand how we can be better ambassadors for Christ, how we can grow more spiritually. But there's these unspeakable riches that are out there for us to grab a hold of um, as we engage in these conversations, as we, um, you know, delve into the stories of other people as we learn about their backgrounds, their, their culture, um, you know, deeply. And, and we're missing out on all these riches Mm -hmm. when we don't do that, but it's kind of the default for us to just want to, you know, stay in our house, not rock the boat, not get too uncomfortable. And and especially after 15 months of COVID. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I would say, you know, in, in marriage, especially after we had kids, um, you know, we just didn't make time for that. Um, and, and, you know, that was a shame, but now that, you know, our kids are getting older, that's certainly one of the things that we're looking forward to in life is, um, having more time to build more relationships with people of, you know, all races, um, and nationalities and, and spend more time with fellow brothers and sisters, um, you know, as much as we can. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like when you were giving the analogy of, is there an incentive? Like if we do all these things, then we'll get some other, you know, some other reward. And you know, what God has said is no, the, the doing of that work is the reward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There are riches in that very work right there. Yeah. I think yeah. my, my best stories in my life, are like when I think about like the most interesting things that I've done and experienced, it's because I stepped out of my comfort zone Mm -hmm. and did something with someone from a different culture. And so, yeah, it's not like, uh, like I was just like, you know, a martyr serving them. Right. Like I got as much, if not more from that process than the person that I was reaching out to and trying to help. So Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I've, I've read uh, a lot of things about, um, you know, just how this shift, you know, from kind of starting with millennials of how um, they're embracing more uh, about the experience and the journey, and they're focusing less on making a good salary and, you know, accumulating wealth and things like that. And, and I think that that, that is something that I have, uh, had a, a mind shift in as I've Mm. gotten older is I do value the experience and the journey more, um, you know, as I've gotten older. And, and I think that that is, um, yeah, it's just like you said, Nicole, it's like, embrace that journey right there there's otherwise you're gonna miss some things that you're supposed to learn (laughs) because you're focusing on the end end goal Uh right right it's this is the christian life Mm -hmm. that yes i mean we are awaiting eternity with god but that there is also good and beauty and abundance 
to be had here while we're in this in-between. That he's still doing work in us right now that he wants us to experience in the process. And, And that's a beautiful thing that he gives, that he's not just waiting until eternity, but that he has made a deposit now and that he will continue to do that. Thanks for joining us for this episode of The Living Room. The live sessions for this season begin this coming Sunday, which is July 11th, and we would love to see you there. You can sign up at highpointchurch.org slash live sessions. If you've got any questions or comments, you can reach out to us at podcast at highpointchurch.org. And make sure that you subscribe to get future episodes right onto your device. If you head to highpointchurch.org slash the living room, you can subscribe to our newsletter, you can find more podcast episodes, and you can find the essays on race and justice that Pastor Nick wrote for this season. Until next time, thank you for sharing your life with us on this episode of The Living Room. Mm-hmm.